Hello everyone and welcome to episode 315 of the Ask the Coach show where Ping Skills helps you improve your table tennis. I'm Jeff Plum and as always I'm joined by super coach Alois Rosario. Welcome Alois. Oh, thank you Jeffrey and uh, welcome to all the listeners and um, yeah, pretty exciting uh, show coming up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of good stuff Alois. But first, I want to just kick it off with the joke of the week. A low point, yes. <laughs> just build from there. Now, Alois, what is worse than finding a worm in your apple? Um, don't know, Jeff. What's worse than finding a worm in your apple? Finding half um, a worm. Oh. <laughs> that, that's a lot worse, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot worse. <laughs> oh, great joke. Uh, no, very good. Okay. Uh, uh, very good. Um, now, Alloy. Should we move on now? Or, I mean, <laughs> yeah, let's move on quickly. People have probably stopped laughing by now. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, let's let's just move on. I think it's best. Um, <laughs> let's move on to on this week, Alloys. What have you got for us? Yes, and um, coming up on the third of August, the birthday of Maharu Yoshimura. Ooh. So, uh, yeah, so Maharu was born in 19, uh, 1993, Jeff. What's oh, okay. Uh, so 25. 25. He's an old man. Yeah, so uh, had the opportunity to see uh, Maharu at the Australian Open and uh, it was pretty exciting to watch him and commentate on his match at the Australian Open. Uh, lanky, tall, lanky Japanese player with um, yeah, incredible touch on both sides and, uh, yeah, and, and uh, one of the best serves I've seen around, too. Just a really tricky little thing that a lot of players have problems with. Wow. And, yeah, and he's quite a successful career, Alois. Yeah, so it, I suppose the highlight for him was winning the gold medal in the um, 2017 World Championships in the mixed doubles. Yeah. So, yeah, and mixed doubles now starting to come into a little bit more prominence because there's talk of it being included at the Olympics. So uh, so now more emphasis being put on mixed doubles as well. So, uh, you know, he might be in the running for a spot in Tokyo 2020 as a mixed doubles specialist, perhaps. Very good. Excellent. All right. Well, you know, it's a decent segment, Alois, you know, building from the joke. <laughs> not, one of, not one of the best, but, you know. <laughs> All right. So, well... Let, let's move on again, Alois. We're going to talk about a little competition we had called the Harimoto competition. Yes, we, uh, well, it was sort of a competition in the end, but um, <laughs> we had a competition for you to post your Harimoto impression, and uh, we had a few um, entries, and the winner was, I suppose, the original guy that actually gave us the idea, and that was Andrew Savage. So, uh, so well done to Andrew as being the winner, and uh, you can you can watch his uh, clip, um, and we'll put a a link in the show notes so you can have a look at his his and his work colleagues Harry Moto impressions. Excellent, yeah. That's good. Um, yeah, Harry Moto. Now, this caused uh, quite a bit of uh, division amongst the Ping Skills listeners, the Harry Moto. Uh, just talking about Harry Moto, some people really loved the way he celebrates, and some people thought he was just disrespectful, Alois. 
Yeah, the um, yeah that uh, one of the last videos we did on um, uh, celebrate like Harry Moto, and uh, yeah, it did it caused a lot of angst out there, you readers. So um, interesting to hear your thoughts. Though I mean, I'm a I'm a big fan though of Harry Moto, and um, I've had the opportunity to you know be side by side with him, observe him, see him, and he is a very very respectful young man. Um, so. He's very loud on the table, but he's very yeah, respectful. He kind of man. is loud, but I mean, at the Australian Open there, Alois, he didn't stand out as being overly loud compared to other players. I noticed um, Zhu Zin was very just focused and quiet and hardly ever said anything. Um, but all of the Japanese quite loud, um, the Indians quite loud, the Australians didn't have a lot of points to celebrate, but when they did, they probably celebrated. Um, so... I don't think he's out of the ordinary um, compared to other players with his celebrations. Yeah, maybe he's just winning more points, so he does get to celebrate more. <laughs> that might be it. Um, and and it's, it may even be, you know, just because he's young, um, we sort of, you know, some people look at him and say, oh, you know, he's too young to be celebrating like that and he hasn't really earned his stripes yet, perhaps. Um, not sure. Not sure why so much... Uh, um, Hate for Harry Moto's celebrations. Yes, anyway. Plus, some people like it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like me. All right. Uh, well, let's move on then to the Australian Open Alloys. Just finished up yesterday. Um, amazing tournament. Yeah, I'm still uh, still recovering, actually, Jeff. It, uh, you know, I had the chance to be courtside um, at the Australian Open, watching these players. And, you know, every year it just absolutely amazes me the level of these players. I mean, it, it just seems to be getting better and better, um, even year to year. I mean, these guys are just incredible athletes, number one, but they just their level of technical skill is just it, – it's, it's mind-blowing. So, um, so we had the finals last night of uh, the singles and doubles – so the doubles was won by uh, Hina Hayata and Mima Ito uh, from Japan, beating uh, the defensive pair of Hashimoto and Sato. They won that one pretty comfortably in the end. Um, yeah, the they men's... were in trouble earlier on in the tournament. Alois, I saw a match. I think they saved like something like six match points or something in one set um, yeah. earlier on in the tournament. But then, yeah, obviously yeah. hit form for the final. It's funny how that does happen sometimes, doesn't it? You know, a, the player or a team that um, that get through and uh, struggle through an early round match can sometimes go on and win the tournament. You know, they sort of almost hardens them, doesn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, congratulations there to the Japanese pair. And then the men's doubles, um, again, was an entertaining affair between two really high-class doubles pairs. Uh, the winners were Jung Yong-sik, from uh, Korea and Lee Sang-soo from Korea. And they beat uh, Masataka Morizono and Yuya Oshima. Um, Oshima had a great tournament overall. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was it was fairly straightforward, 3-0. But um, these pairs have had some real uh, ding-dong battles over, over time. So uh, on this occasion, the Koreans uh, got up at it. They might have got up because I know they, they, they finished at around 8 o'clock. They had an 11 p.m. flight. Um, and it was about an hour to the airport, so maybe they just made sure that they got on and out <laughs> as quickly as possible. So that might have been the uh, incentive 
for them not to miss their flight home. There you so, go. Uh, yeah. And then it was on to the women's singles, and that was probably the highlight of the tournament for me. Um, head-to-head, Ding Ning and Lu Xi Wen. Oh, uh, is there it, a bigger rivalry? <laughs> no, definitely not. Not in uh, table tennis at the moment. And these players hadn't played each other on the world scene since 2016. So, you know, it had been a couple of years. Um, it had all been brewing up, and uh, and they uh, they really put on a great display. So Lucy went and took the first two games, looked comfortable, was really spreading Ding Ding out wide to her forehand. But the next three sets were just, uh, I mean, I've never seen any women player play as well as Ding Ding did in those next three sets. She just... She just took the ball and wherever it was, was able to topspin it heavily, cover that wide forehand, cover the backhand. And if you get a chance, have a look at the last point of set number, or game number five, sorry, of game number five in that match where Ding Ning um, wins the point. It's just an incredible point. However, in the end, Lucy Wen went on and won the match 4-3. So, um, so, yeah, Lucy Wen, really tough character, really tough competitor, um, ended up getting up in the end. But, uh, gee, great table tennis by those two players. It shows you sometimes when you're playing against someone that's just having a purple patch, um, you just need to hang in there. You know, they can't always keep up that level for long enough to win the whole match. Yeah, it was. It, it was. It was real topsy too. I mean, Lucy Wen took the first two. Ding Ning won the next three. Lucy Wen won the last two. You know, so so the momentum really shifted uh, between the two. Mm. Yeah, and then it was on to the men's singles final, and you know, it was always a chance of being a blowout with uh, the older, more experienced, elder statesman Xu Xin taking on Liu Dingshuo from China. Both Chinese players. Um, and in the end, you know, for me, it was it was almost about um, Liu Dingshuo's respect of Xu Xin. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was he was trying as hard as he possibly could, but Xu Xin closed out three of the first four games in deuce. So 12-10 in the first, 12-10 in the third, and 15-13 in the fourth. And Liu Dingshuo in the fourth had a couple of opportunities to really put Shushin uh, away. I think he was up 9-5. He had a game point, had an easy forehand. And it, it was just, for me, just a little bit too much respect uh, by Liu Dingshuo for Shushin that in the end uh, got Shushin over the line. Um, it was great to see Shushin um, up close and personal, though, wasn't it, Jeff? Oh, unbelievable. Just, um, just his footwork and his counter topspin is just ridiculous. <laughs> you yeah. think he won't? You think someone's hit a winner, and he will just counter topspin it back with so much pace and power. It's, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, and he, he can he can cover he can cover the court so so well with his forehand. And and if you if you're taking a look at highlights once again, I think it might be six five in the fourth game. Um, have a look at the, that point by Xu Xin at 6-5 in the fourth game where he's back lobbing and then manages to get his forehand countertop spin in. Yeah. So, uh, it almost feels like once he gets a, a good lob in that he suddenly feels his favourite in the point. <laughs> exactly. He gets a good lob in and then he just knows that 
they can't hit the ball hard enough for him not to be able to cover the court with his big forehand topspin. <laughs> so he just, he just gets in position, he gets around, and he counters topspins that smash, and then he is favourite for the point. It's just, uh, just incredible. Yes. Yeah, great to watch. So, yeah, so, it was a, a really successful it, tournament, Alois. Um, great atmosphere, good crowd. Um, the winners were signing balls and throwing them up into the crowd. I think they, they really appreciated that, the spectators. Yes, yeah, well, uh, well put together, and uh, to uh, ITTF Oceana who put on the event, and to uh, the man Christian Holtz, um, a big shout out of well done because uh, yeah, well put together event. Yeah, absolutely, and and um... and, uh, and we we had the opportunity to do um, to do some fun days as well, Jeff, for uh, for ping skills. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, so we had some kids come through and got them playing table tennis and. Had other activities there too, uh, some magician and some hula hoops, and um, the Paralympic team was there helping out as well. Alice, I think it was a, a really fun day. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And uh, Quadri Aruna came down and had a hit with some of the kids. Of and of course, uh, that was good, wasn't it? And we got Quadri playing against the the kids using the big bats and Quadri using the small bat. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was good got a picture see. of uh, Jeff playing doubles with Quadri Aruna too. So we'll. Uh, We'll uh, put that up for you to have a look. Look yeah. at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah I'm and not think, sure uh, if I'll continue playing with him. He's a bit of a weak link, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Quadri, Quadri was one of the ambassadors, and uh, gee, such a such a nice chap, um, wasn't he, Jeff? Just yeah, uh, very, yeah. very accommodating. Yeah, uh, to come down and help out, and the kids all loved him. It was yeah, it was really good. Yeah, and uh, you know, and. Uh, yeah, he even got to play doubles with Jeff, exactly. That's right. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that'll be the highlight of his year. Yes. So, yeah. It's good, isn't it? And, uh, yeah, um, we're hoping for bigger and better even next year, Alois. That's right, yeah. So uh, The only disappointment for me, Alois, is Marlong's entered the Australian Open for the last two years and has pulled out both times. He's got to come. Yes. We need a campaign, yeah. get Marlong to the Australian Open. Yes, next year. Let's get him there. Let's. Uh, if anyone knows where he lives, we need you to uh, go to his place, knock on his door, and uh, when it's Australian Open time, just uh, put him in the car, pack him up on the plane, send him over here to Australia, please. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, all right, Alice. It is now time to move on to the tip and drill of the week. Yeah, so last, our last uh, tip of the week was uh, to, and very appropriately, watch the top players and, uh, and pick out some focus points of what you're trying to um, learn from them. And, uh, and gee, for me, after getting the opportunity to sit and watch these top players, it really brought it home again to me just how important that is um, as uh, a student of the game or when you're learning to just watch what the best players do. And, you know, it's, it's absolutely invaluable. You know, I had some of the, um, some of our national para team were there and they just said how much they learned just by sitting and watching uh, these top players. They hadn't had that opportunity to watch the top players in the world um, up live and close. And, uh, It'll be interesting to see their development now over the next uh, year or so after getting that opportunity. But, yeah, um, don't forget that last uh, tip of the week. Um, you know, if you can get on to ITTV 
watch some of uh, the Australian Open. You might even get to hear me commentate some of the matches, which will be very enlightening, I'm sure, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, but, uh, yeah, I can't emphasise that enough now. And as I said, that's really brought it home to me, yeah. that really vital part of the game. Yeah, I mean, it is great now that you can uh, just watch a lot of players on ITTV and see all the top players. It's just brilliant. Like, um, you would have never had that opportunity in the past. But there's also something really good if you are near one of these tournaments to watching them live. Um, yes, it's, it's uh, yeah, that's right. I, I think, you know, again, just there is, there is a real difference, isn't there, between being able to watch them on video, which is great, but watching them live is just the next level. Yeah. It's just something, something special. Yeah, indeed. All right, so what have you got for everyone this week for Tip and Drill of the yeah. Week? Yeah, so this uh, this week, and again, brought home to me by um, by getting a chance to watch the top players, and, and I had a chance to go into the training hall and watch them training as well. And it's to develop something different. So develop a unique feature of your game that is going to help you to win points. Now, why why this came home to me was just watching the Japanese players in particular, and just now their level of serving and their the different serves that they are all developing. So they're not developing the same serves. They're all developing something different, something their own, and something unique that they are bringing to their to the table. Um, and that is so different. Um, you know, to, to previously. I, we talked about Maharu Yoshimura um, before, so it being his birthday coming up soon. But if you watch Yoshimura serve, I mean, it looks a little bit similar to um, a lot of other serves that are done, like it's a bit of a punch or a re- reverse tomahawk serve. But there's something just a little bit special to it. He uses his wrist in a different way, he has a slightly different setup. And he has a lot of success because of that. So, um, yeah, so for me, this week, I want you to sit down, sit down for two minutes, quiet time, quiet space, and just think, okay, what is something that I can do that will be a point of difference to help me win points? Mm, yeah. All right. That, that's a good little tip. And um, you think the serve is a good place to, to start with something like that? Yeah, serve's probably an easy place to start. Um, but the other thing is just on the return of serve. You know, I mean, uh, have a think about it. Ten years ago, if someone um, had told you that the backhand banana flick would be the most important shot in the game, you would have laughed at them. Yeah. Um, someone obviously sat down, you know, took their two minutes to sit down and start to think about it and has come up with that. And now, now look, look at it. Yeah. It is. I, I think that the backhand overall is the biggest change to me in the last 10 years. Um, yeah, the return of serve, that backhand banana flick is unbelievable. I even saw a left-handed, right-handed doubles combination. Normally, the left-hander returns with their forehand, and that used to be a big advantage because they're already in a good position. But I saw the left-handers switching around and playing banana flicks with their backhand, giving up that forehand advantage just because that backhand is so powerful a return of serve now. So that was quite amazing. And then just the counter-attacks from close to the table with the backhands are amazing. Years ago, if you looped to someone's backhand, the worst you'd expect is a block. Now you just get 
this powerful backhand topspin coming back at you every time. It's incredible. Yeah, exactly. And um, and we're going to make a video uh, shortly about just the um, the grip uh, for these, but backhand banana flicks. We we sort of we we mentioned it in our recent video on the backhand banana flicks. So have a look at that. But uh, I think it's a real um, point of emphasis that we will uh, make a video about shortly. Yeah, yeah, good idea. Excellent. All right, Alloys, I think it's time for the questions. Are, okay. you, are you ready? Yeah, bring them on, Jeff. Bring them on. All right. Now, first up is a real interesting one from Peter. He's got an idea about changing the service rules, Alloys. Now, it's kind of... Uh, instead of bouncing the ball on your own side and then their side, he's like, why don't we move to like a tennis style where you hit the ball onto the opponent's side first? But obviously, if you do that, they're just going to smash it. So his um, way around this is you have to go eight feet away from the table and you can't throw it higher than your chin. And then you're allowed to serve it uh, onto their side directly. So that's his idea, and um, he wanted to know, you know, what this would be like um, if some top players played with these rules, and because he thinks it would encourage more loop-to-loop rallies, like right from the start. And so basically, I think he's hoping that every rally would be every rally would be a loop-to-loop rally. Yeah, interesting, interesting concept, Peter. Um, I think it's it's worth experimenting with for sure. Um, you know, the service rule is obviously one that just needs a little bit of a tweak or a change. It seems to have settled down there, though now a lot. Um, I mean, the thing that um, umpires were picking on this time was really just keeping the hand flat and not dropping your hand below the table. So there wasn't really any emphasis on hiding the ball or anything like that. Um, no. And... There's still a lot of, like, the rule about throwing it up almost vertical, I'm, I'm wondering if they should just ditch that rule because it's, yeah, no one ever calls it and you always see players, they kind of have their hand in the middle of the table for their pendulum serve when they throw the ball up and then they hit it from the corner of the table. So the ball's moving quite a lot, but I don't think that's a problem and I don't think you should be faulted for that. So Yeah, uh, but the, the only thing is that if you do away with that rule, then players will be throwing the ball really hard into their racket and that increases the spin a lot. Yeah, but if you've got to throw it up at least six inches, then it's still hard to do that because you've got to throw it up and hit it on the way down. So, yeah, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting, interesting stuff. But, yeah, Peter, um, interesting idea. We'll we'll put a link to the... Peter's question and his rules ideas. If you get a chance, just go out there and just experiment with it with a friend and just see what you think and if it uh, if it could work. Or if you've got your own ideas for a bit of a service rule change, let yeah. us know. Yeah, we might have to. Well, we might have to give it a try, Alice, and see um, ourselves one day. I've got a feeling that it's not going to be that effective because. The server's so far behind the table, I reckon the receiver could just stand very close to the table and either powerfully loop the ball back um, and be in a dominant position straight away or even just do a drop shot and then the other player's so far back. So, um, But, yeah, we should try it out. 
yeah, will be interesting. But, um, yeah, I mean, especially nowadays, I mean, when, when you see that loop-to-loop stuff that's happening and the, the countertop spin um, and how hard they're hitting it, yeah, I think the server mightn't win a point with their eight foot back from the table. Yeah, exactly. A ripped the ball pass. But, yeah, as you say, um, worth a try. Be interesting to see. And it's interesting because, like, the idea is to get more loop-to-loop rallies and, you know, those exciting rallies that people like to see. But, you know, watching the matches at the Australian Open, there's quite a lot of good rallies and it is entertaining. And so I'm not sure we need to change a lot. Yeah, it's um, the game is definitely getting better. Um, mm. Yeah, and maybe maybe the plastic ball, the the, the larger ball, um, has uh, has fixed some some issues, some problems. I'd like to see the stats on the um, average rally length now. It's definitely gone up. Uh, mm. You know, previously it was like down at about three or um, four. Um, I uh, I'll uh, go and have a look for some stats and just see what uh, what they are currently. But I'm yeah. I'm thinking up a bit higher than that now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, next up is a question from uh, Peter who says, "What is a set?" He goes, "Would you please clarify what constitutes a game, a set, and a match?" He says his understanding is a game is the first to eleven points. A set is the three or five games of eleven points. And the match is the winner of all the sets. Yeah. So, officially, uh, Peter, the there is no set. Um, so, it's only games and matches. So, a game is a game up to 11, and a match is the overall match, you know, best of three, five, seven, one. Um, it can be any uneven number of games. So, whereas, I mean, we always play basically best of five or seven at international tournaments. The international rules say that you can play up to any number of uneven sets. So, um, so there is no set. So it's only games and matches. And um, you know, I've I've, I've actually uh, um, tossed that around a bit over the last few years. And but now it's very clear in the rules that that is the that is the wording. And it was interesting. Um, a couple of umpires came up to me. At the Australian Open, and uh, you know, we're talking about um, people, you know, commentating and um, and uh, you know, talking about uh, sets, and they were, you know, the umpires get pretty finicky about that sort of stuff. And they weren't well, happy, huh? They weren't happy. They were talking about had to be had to be games, and it had to be matches, and no sets. So, Can't call it a set. Oh dear. Uh, you get that right out of your uh, vocabulary, people out there. There's no set games and matches. Yeah, you know, I think most people just use game and set interchangeably, don't they? So as long as yeah. people understand, does it really matter? Yeah, and I think it's you know from the from the tennis um, uh, reference, obviously in tennis they call it sets. Um, oh, but so they do have game sets and matches, don't they? So that's right, exactly. So uh, yep, so we don't have sets, only games and matches. There you go. Yeah, all that a debate is like: is it a paddle? Is it a racket? Is it a bat? You know, Indeed. it's all the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, next up is a question from Dimple, and he goes, he observed one thing in the Ultimate Table Tennis Series that at 10-all, um, despite having a two-point lead, they concluded the match at winner at 10-11 or 11-10, and he searched, and it's called a golden point. Can you talk more about the concept about this, Alois? 
Yeah, so yeah, so the golden point is something uh, that they used in the uh, Ultimate Table Tennis Series, and we'll talk about that in a sec. Um, so all it is is that at 10-all, um, the next person that wins the point wins. So it's uh, just the first to 11. So no deuce game, so you don't have to win by two. Um, and it was, as I said, just a rule that they use in uh, in the UTT, Ultimate Table Tennis. Um it's not an official ITTF rule, so all um, international tournaments uh, will still use the games up to, you know, oh, sorry, uh, you have to win by two points, but uh, this is just something they used in ultimate table tennis. And uh, interesting concept, the whole ultimate table tennis, you know, just trying to jazz up the, the, um, the game a bit. Um, for those of you that uh, know cricket, um, so this, this is a series uh, based in India, and uh, they're just trying to jazz it up like the uh, what's it called, Jeff, in India, the um, the IPL, the Indian the Premier League. Yeah, the Indian Premier League, or in Australia, we've got the Big Bash series, um, trying to um, make the game more entertaining. So they play, um, so they play best of three games in that series as well. Um, so they don't play best of five or seven, um, and. Um, it, the uh, the team the winning team is the team that scores the most games overall. So each time you win a game, you get a point for your team. Um, and uh, so overall, the, the winning team is the team that scores the most games. So you might um, might not win the most matches, but if you win the most games, then you um, you are basically the winner of that. Uh, that match between the two teams. Interesting ideas. You got to just keep fighting all the time, just yeah, to win another game. Yep, exactly. So mm. yes, if you haven't checked out the UTT Ultimate Table Tennis, um, some interesting um, ideas there. Um, they use multi balls for a game as well, and they just leave the other balls on the court um, until the game is finished. Um, so you know they're not using one ball to try and speed things up. Um, which I guess we could, we talk about as well about the Australian Open, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, they they had uh, ball boys, and in all the platinum uh, world tour events now, they're having ball boys. Um, so each player now selects ten balls. So they've got twenty balls for the match. Um, the uh, and after each point, the uh, umpire, or one of the umpires, usually the assistant, will throw a new ball out to the the player serving. And um, and a ball boy will run and grab the old ball and um, yeah and uh, keep the area clear of table tennis balls. So yeah, so it's, it's different from tennis, isn't it? The ball boy just holds on to it. The ball boy never actually gives the ball back to a player. It's always the umpire just throws them out a ball, and then at the end of each set, they bring the the balls back to the umpires for the start of the next set. Yeah, that's right. Um, I was having a discussion with a few people at the Australian Open and just thinking about different ways that, that could be done. And um, I was told that um, DHS are actually trying to um, develop a system where it's a, just a press button by the umpire that uh, then a, a ball is sort of spat out by a little machine that goes straight to the um, straight to the player. So rather than the umpire having to throw it, which at times can be you know tricky for the umpire. Um, it's just How little... tricky is it to throw an umpire to throw a ball like oh, two metres? Yes, they're sitting down, Jeff. They're sitting down. They've got to turn the scoreboard. They've got to watch <laughs> the match. And then they've got to throw a ball. And they've got to throw the ball like, you know, to the player. For me, as a player, 
I hate that. Like, I, I, I don't want the umpire involved too much and, yeah, and test true. the umpire's ball throwing skills. I just want the next ball. But um, the who other, would would the player press the button or the umpire? The umpire presses the button. And well, then just, you're still relying on the umpire. Yeah, but it's not the, the mechanics of throwing the ball. So then it's just the machine will you know spit it out like a robot. You know. Yeah, but sometimes it, the player goes and towels off. And then the, the umpire doesn't throw it to them. They just grab it straight out of their hand. I think yeah. it actually works pretty well as it is. Man, oh. who needs the robots? Okay, well, the other the other concept I thought of, Jeff, was you know, like in um, pool halls where they've got the the ball the balls in a rack under the table. Yeah, I'm thinking a little something like that. You know, with the balls in a rack at the end of the table where the player can just uh, get the next one. Or you know, like ten pin bowling when you bowl your ball down, it always just the conveyor belt just brings it back. So, yeah, maybe the ball boy picks it up, puts it on some little conveyor belt that brings it back to a little spot under the table where they where they can just go and pick up the balls as they want. Then the players don't even have to rely on the umpires. Yeah. Yeah, we've got, we've got lots of ideas. <laughs> lots of ideas. But I, I think um, I think the, the, the system is good. I think the, um, just the way that they're uh, doing it initially, and this is, you know, obviously, you know, it's very... Um, early infancy is that is that the right terminology yep. um that um you know so they're, they're trying different ways of doing it but i'm sure in a couple of years time it'll look very different to what yeah. it does uh, now I thought, I thought it worked pretty well i thought it was all right um yeah i i, I definitely like the concept and the the overall um you know idea of speeding up the game but uh, i think just uh the mechanics could be, could change. Yeah. I'm not convinced about the Ultimate Table Tennis Series trying to speed it up too much, though, Alice, because, like, you talked about the cricket having to speed things up, but they're used to where we came from playing for five days or a match would take a whole day. And so they've kind of shortened a match from a whole day to, you know, just over three hours. Whereas in table tennis now, a match if a match lasts over half an hour, it's a long match. Yeah, yeah, so true. So I don't know that it needs to speed up. And you look at things like tennis, and the Australian Open in tennis just keeps getting record crowd numbers year after year, and their matches can last for five hours. So yeah. I'm not convinced that this everything's got to be shorter is is the way to go. Um, I think it was definitely good for cricket because five days down to <laughs> a couple of hours is good. But, yeah, table tennis, I think it's fast enough and exciting enough as it is. Yeah, interesting, interesting, interesting to hear your thoughts out there. Yeah. All right, great question from Dimple. Anyway, next up is one from Michael, and he says, Hi, Alois and Jeff. I've seen lots of your impressive videos that mention the need to have a loose grip of the racket. Are there any occasions where there's a need to have a tight grip of the racket? Yeah, I'm a little bit torn here. I think, you know, in general, that you do need to have a very loose hand so it's relaxed, so your arm is working correctly, your hand's working correctly. There are some occasions, though, now that I'm that I'm finding with, especially if you're using, say, a long pimple rubber. Um, so for the faster ball that's coming in, I think a very loose hand is useful. Sometimes if you've got to generate your own power with the pimple, then just tightening slightly can help. But... I think, you know, if you're ever going to err on the side of too loose or too tight, I'd always go with too loose. Um, but, you know, sometimes you can just put a little bit more pressure on your hand uh, when you're playing your shots. The other the other occasion for me is just if you're really trying to punch the ball 
uh, through off a off a top spin, um, and you're blocking or punching that ball, then uh, then tightening uh, the grip a little bit can help. Yeah, and I think sometimes when you say a loose grip, alloys people are imagining like really floppy and the bat falling out of your hand, and it's not quite that loose, is it? No, it isn't. But yeah, I've, I have experimented a little bit recently um, with some players as well with just just holding the bat basically with your little finger. So, you know, I mean, you've got your normal grip, but all the other fingers and your thumb aren't really putting any pressure on the bat at all, and you're only just controlling it with your little finger. And I found that works really well, um, especially for you know, things like the short push or the flick. Um, so, yeah, give that a try too, people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's always the, the way to go with these things, isn't it? It's just start experimenting. Um, sometimes, yeah, try with a tighter grip, try with a looser grip, and just just notice the differences and see what works best for you. Great hey. question. Yeah, great question, uh, Michael. And, um, Alloys, we're getting near the end of the show now, but next show we're going to have yep. a little competition. We don't want to say too much at this point, but... Um, yeah, can you elaborate at all? Uh, yes, it's a competition and it's uh, around an exciting new um, 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 idea we have. Yeah, so, very go. good. So listen out for it. Uh, <laughs> listen out for it next time. What a way exactly. to finish the show. Awesome. Exactly. People are going to be like standing on our doorstep shortly with with. Bait, with with, with anticipation, Jeff. Absolutely, yeah. Teaser. What a teaser. <laughs> Brilliant. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. Make sure you check out pingskills.com. Keep enjoying your table tennis, and thank you, Alloys. Thanks, Jeffrey, and thanks, listeners. <laughs> Bye.